Holy and gracious God, we give you thanks once again for Scripture. Lord, continue to speak to us. Help us um, to reflect on maybe something in one of those Scripture readings today that stuck out to us and why that may have stuck out to us. Lord, help us to continue to go back to that today and reflect on it. And Lord, in these coming moments, I pray that we would open our ears and our hearts. And Lord, that we would hear something in particular that uh, we would say, I, I needed to hear that today. Or uh, as a group, that we would say that that was good for us to hear as a church. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. And Lord, always speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever um, had an opportunity to f do something that was very important, but you kept putting it off and then later uh, regretted it or maybe faced the consequences? Um, one time I was driving down the road and um, this beautiful uh, little pebble jumped off the street and said hello to me in my windshield and uh, left one of those little uh, looking snowflake marks on the, uh, on the, on the windshield. So that's never really happened to me before, so I thought no big deal. You know, it's probably important to get that fixed at some point, but it's just this little, um, this little mark. And um, I just kept driving and doing my thing. It wasn't that big of a distraction. And then later on down the road, um, no pun intended, um, we, or I noticed that um, there was a little crack uh, that began to, to merge from this little snowflake. And I thought, huh. Uh, it's probably important that I get that looked at, uh, get it fixed. Um, but it's not that big of a crack, and um, I'm not as distracted uh, by it anyway. So uh, you know where the story's going, right? So I, um, one day, it was a cold winter morning, and um, I was putting the heat on full blast and the defrost on, and oh man, that little snowflake just turned into so many little rivers across the, uh, across the windshield all at once. And I thought, oh, I think I should probably get this fixed now. Uh, so what could have been fixed with a tiny, um, I don't even know how you do that, but I'm sure it could have been stopped from cracking. Um, but yet I kept putting off something that was very important and uh, ended up uh, suffering because of that because then I had to get an entirely new windshield. And this happens, you know, little things maybe that, that we don't uh, maybe commit to or, or uh, invest uh, in and put them off, and, and sometimes it can have um, consequences with it. And, you know, I didn't make it a priority. That, that's the key word. It wasn't a priority for me. And, and just as uh, that was very important and should have been a priority, um, you know, when it comes to Christians, or being Christians and disciples of Christ, we also have uh, things that, that are priorities as followers of Jesus and, and things that, that that need to happen in our, in our spiritual lives if we want to grow in our faith, you know, and, and uh, devotional time and Bible reading and prayer and uh, Sunday morning worship and those sorts of things. And if, if those things begin to fade away and are not as important in our lives, our, our spiritual life can begin to, to suffer and we can begin to backslide a little bit. And, and if we're not plugged in and connected in that way privately, but also together as a church family, and in particular, worship. I mean, being together on a Sunday morning is just so important uh, for the body of Christ and for our own spiritual development and, and for um, the sake of worshiping God and being in community. It's just, it's so important. And, but sometimes we have to reflect and say, why is this important? 
you know, what, what is worship exactly? What is it that we do and why is it that we do that and those sorts of things? And that's what I want to kind of talk about uh, throughout uh, October is to just try to um, remind us of ways that we can look at worship and why it's important and uh, what does the Bible say about worship? What are some themes that run throughout Scripture uh, that show us um, uh, the importance of worshiping God? And so that's what I want to uh, look at um, in the next few weeks. And, you know, if someone asked you, what is the reason uh, that you worship? Why, why do you come on a Sunday morning? What, what, what are some of those things that, that stick out to you? What are some of those things of importance that you would lift up to that person? Or if you don't know, uh, how you would answer, you know, that's something to think about. You know, what if someone asks me, why is it important for you? Um, it just sounds weird. Why do you wake up at so-and-so on a Sunday morning to go to church? Like, what is up with that? Uh, why is that important? Is that something you have to do, or is this just something you want to do? Like, explain it to me. And, you know, so this morning, uh, I want to talk about one of those themes that we see in Scripture. Um, and it has all to do with how God is working and how we are also a part of that, and how we are responding. So there's some themes in, in Christian worship that we see in Scripture um, of how God plays a role and how also we play a role in the midst of worship. So first we see Paul the, from the story of the book of Acts. Um, his name was Saul in the story and later turned into Paul, the Apostle Paul. And, you know, he was out to uh, persecute and and he was trying to snuff out the early Christian movement. And if you were proclaiming that Jesus was the risen, uh, resurrected Son of God, Paul was out to get you. He was not in favor of that movement uh, until he met Jesus, until he was literally uh, blinded um, uh, on his road to Damascus with papers in hand to persecute the church. And, and he met Jesus, and, and something happened to him. And he was uh, eventually transformed by the good news. And he he recognized for himself that Jesus really was the Son of God. And um, thank goodness for Ananias being obedient, uh, because uh, Ananias is the one who, who God sent uh, to go um, pray for him so that he may be healed. And Ananias is uh, kind of one of those moments that sometimes we do where he reminds God. He's like, hey, um, uh, Lord, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I know you know everything, but but do you know that, that this man's here to persecute people like me? You want me to do what? You want me to pray for him? You want me to... And, and God says, yeah, he's, he's my chosen instrument. He's going to do some great things in my name. Uh, so go. And Ananias is obedient and, and listens, even when it doesn't make sense. And he goes and he, and he prays. And, and it says from, from that day on, uh, Paul um, began to preach and proclaim. And Paul becomes one of the most uh, influential Christians uh, ever. Uh, many of the New Testament letters are attributed to him and uh, ones that we know that he actually wrote, and it's just amazing. But yet, um, God acted first. God showed up on that road to Damascus, and um, Paul chose to respond. Ch Paul chose to respond to that action that God had made uh, in his own life. And that can be a way we look at worship, is how do we respond to what God is doing in our lives, because we see it all throughout the Bible. When people see and experience a revelation from God, like Paul did or like Isaiah, there's a response. It, it invites a response from us. So Christian uh, worship, one of the most important aspects of Christian worship could, could be the idea of this theme of, of revelation from God and response 
from us, seeing what God is doing, experiencing God, and then us responding to it. So first, I want to talk about the, the first part of that, that part of worship involves the revelation of God. And um, so, forgive me if I've shared this story before. I don't think I have, but I've shared it with some people in different contexts. But I know for, for those of you who came to the meet and greets that I did when I first got here uh, a year ago in September, um, I shared with you a little of my story. And um, so uh, for those of you who haven't heard some of it, my, my, my mom and dad got divorced when I was eighth or ninth grade. Um, and a large part of that was due to my father's alcoholism uh, and his um, just, I mean, it's, it's a disease. It really is. It, it, you know, I've learned a lot about it, but um, that's a teenager that that happened to, you know, so I, I kept things in and all this. And so um, when I went away to college, um, I can remember uh, one trip in particular where it's not that I ever questioned my dad's love for me, but I struggled with the idea of, I think differently now, but then it was just so black and white of how could you choose this over family, you know, or whatever. And uh, I've learned to, to kind of listen more and reflect on how, I mean, there's still choice there, but there's, there's stuff that's going on. And um, so one of the things that happened to me is I remember one time it, he was getting very unhealthy. He's, He's uh, doing a lot better now, but, um, you know, he's very, very slow and weak and can't get around a lot on his own and needs help and things like that. And um, I can remember uh, feeling like going away from college, when, when leaving Delaware to go back to school, I wonder if, like, this is the last time. What if this is the last time I got to see him, you know? What if, what if he doesn't make it or whatever? So I remember going back um, to college and... I went to campus ministry one night on a Tuesday night and or Wednesday night and on campus and we were in this uh, auditorium and I didn't really know anybody um, and I just kind of slipped in and 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 I was wor and we were worshiping you know we were praising God and they were singing and I remember just kind of sitting there and and just thinking about uh, my dad's love for me and um, I don't know if I was questioning it but just kind of just reflecting on it, thinking about it. And, um, and I remember in the midst of uh, worship, I just began to pray. And I, I began to just pray for things. And I was lifting up different prayer requests. And I transitioned into praying for my dad. And I was saying, uh, you know, Lord, you know, just pray for dad tonight. And as soon as I said that, you know, I'm 500 some miles away from home. Nobody really knows me. I'm the tall kid from Delaware. And I get a tap on the shoulder. As, like in the middle of worship, as, I'm, as, I, as I transition to praying for my dad, I get a tap on my shoulder. And it's not my dad. Um, but it's this, um, it's this uh, girl that I've never really had seen or talked to. And um, she taps me on the shoulder. And I'm like, hey, you know. And she says... I just want you to know that your dad loves you more than you'll ever know. Um, what? As my eyes begin to well with tears and the music's loud and playing and it's dark, I put my ear down to her. I'm like, what did you just say? That your dad loved you and you just need to know that. And she walked away. Oh my God. 
I sat there, and it was one of those moments where it was like, you really do hear me, God. You, you really do hear what I'm saying. These are not empty words. I mean, you can't make that up. I could have said, you're crazy. Like, I could have said, no, I'm not thinking about my dad. You know, how does that work? And after the service, I went up to her. I'm like, you have no idea how amazing that was. I can't believe you came and told me that. And she just, it was just so calm for her. She was like, I just felt like God wanted me to tell you that. So I came over and did it. I never really talked to her saw her again, I don't think. But it was just one of those moments where that's a revelation from God. That doesn't happen every day to me. I mean, that's probably the, one of the biggest ones I've had in my entire life. And th- that, that really hasn't happened since. But it was one of those moments where it was like, that is totally God. And, of course, my response to that, after sobbing, you know, was to just praise God. And to be thankful for that. And that experience has kind of changed me. It changed me then and helped, helps me to have more compassion, you know, towards him and uh, to talk to him, you know. And, you know, we talk now, of course. But um, it was just one of those powerful moments where I experienced God in such a powerful way. It was a revelation from God. And what do I do with that? How do I respond to that? But this happens all the time in Scripture. There's, there's examples in Scripture where God is, you know, revealing himself to Moses in a burning bush, and, and Moses responds. Or, you know, there's plagues in Egypt, and, and the people respond, or the parting of the Red Sea, a work of God, and the people respond by going through it. Or even Jesus, as he comes and reveals the Father to us and shows us what God really is like. One important aspect of God's action uh, is that these moves of God in our lives invite and offer a response to us. How are we responding to what God is doing in our lives? There's a writer, uh, author named Constance Cherry, and she says about this, she says that God's initiatives always result in an invitation to trust God and to respond and to receive the action offered this engagement of revelation and response is the core of Christian worship. This idea that God is initiating, God is revealing God's own self to us, and it offers the response. How do we respond to that when we worship? As we see even in Isaiah, you know, high on a lofty throne, and, and, and the Lord was revealed to Isaiah, the scripture says, and the presence was so powerful that the temple shook and the temple was filled with smoke. But it was an example of God's revelation to Isaiah. And eventually it leads Isaiah to a place where he says that famous scripture that so many of us have heard before, you know, whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord, send me. I want to go. Send me. And the same is true with Paul. One who experiences God, God was revealed to him and he changed and responded. So in these two scriptures uh, and all throughout scripture, God has this act of self-revelation. And there are many times where this God exchange and human exchange take place. And I think that's still true as we worship today. Where have you experienced God in your own life? Like I said, that, that experience that I had in North Carolina, you know, that, that doesn't happen all the time to me and, and rarely. But I can still see God at work if I pay attention. 
Somebody once said that, you know, 90% of ministry is just showing up and paying attention. Are you aware of what's going on, of the people, of, of, of seeing what's happening around you, the opportunities that we have to see God at work, and also participate in that work? You know, maybe, it's, um, maybe you experience God in your prayer time, or maybe you experience God when you go for a walk, or are staring at a beautiful uh, sunset, or um, just gazing at the, uh, some of the beautiful stars in the Milky Way galaxy as we, as we just see them so clearly uh, on uh, on those nights? What are those opportunities where you feel God's love and God's presence? And are you actively making time to participate and do those things because you know that that helps you connect to God and grow with God? And that's where God reveals God's love to you. And then it invites a response from you. So that's also part of worship. Part of worship is not just uh, God being revealed to us, but part of worship is also us responding to that revelation from God. I took this um, picture of Luke and my dog, uh, Sir Walter. Um, he lives in Kansas now, Sir Walter, with my mom and her husband. And um, we went there last week. I went to a conference at a church out there, but the family went and we stayed at, at their house. And um, Luke's just got the total um, um, package with the apparel and the boots and He's just got it going on there. But, um, you know, last night, you know, with him being nonverbal, uh, it's hard to, to know, obviously, sometimes what he wants and what he wants to play and those sort of things. And uh, so last night, I, he was being kind of silly, and we had some family over. And um, sometimes if you're sitting on the couch, he'll, like, all of a sudden climb up and um, kind of put you in a headlock with his legs or want to want to ride on your shoulders or be thrown on the couch or the bed or something. He just loves that stuff. So um, I kind of noticed he was in one of those moods. So I just started like going like this towards him. And uh, his response to that <clears throat> was, please chase me. So we just went around the kitchen and the bedroom and the living room several times. And as I chased him, uh, he was very notice. He was very much noticing that this was a game. And as he smiled and cackled and dove on the bed and as I would go the other way and scare him, he would just, he would just light up with joy. And it was just one of those cool moments, you know, that those spontaneous moments where you just get to play and, and chase your kids and just be present in that moment. And it was special for me, but, but one thing I was thinking about in relation to that is you know, he just loved having me chase him around the house as he laughed and smiled. But, but his response was to participate in what I was offering him. And when I started going like this, he knew that I was offering him a game of, hey, let's chase each other around. Friends, God is actively pursuing us in our lives. God is present with us, and, and, and that that is a gift, none other than grace, that God is pursuing us and loving us. And God invites us to participate in what's being offered. And God wants us to be a part of that. And what, what is offered is that daily relationship and commitment to following Christ and to, to following his teachings and showing compassion and, and justice and, and worshiping and, and showing those acts of devotion of, of our own quiet study time and prayer. 
it's a life of grace and, and, and receiving forgiveness from God and extending that forgiveness to others and practicing that as we are reconciled to God, but we're also practicing reconciliation with one another. It's what Jesus calls us to. Just as Isaiah and Paul and many others in the Bible, the only reason we have an opportunity to respond to God is because God has already made that initiation towards us. When we feel like we need to pray or we feel like God is moving, it's, it's, it's because God is, and God always makes that first move before we can even respond, and that's amazing just to think about. The thought of, you know, oh, I want to go to church this morning. You know, just, just that alone is, I think, God working in our lives. So what's our response? What is our response to the good news of Christ? What is our response when we read scriptures like Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God? What's our response when we read things like in 1 John, that the Father, see what the Father uh, ha, has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. What's our response when we see Jesus saying things in the Gospel of John, like whoever drinks of this water I give them will never thirst, and indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Thanks be to God for those countless inspiring scriptures in our lives that we can look at and just give praise for. You know, the Bible shows us many examples of that God and human exchange being that of God's revelation and again, our response to that. Perhaps one important way we can look at Christian worship based in scripture is to see that worship is one of those times where we are in dialogue with God and we're also responding to what God is doing in our lives and doing in the midst of the worship service. Christian worship is, is our response as well. So when we worship, it's important to ask questions. Why am I worshiping? Why do we do what we do? We have to know why. Because if we don't remember why we worship, it can just become one of those things where we go through the motions and we're just kind of doing it because that's what we've always done. I want to show you a clip uh, here in a second. Uh, if you could, I don't know if the soundboard's unmuted back there, but if you could unmute the, the computer component there. Um, in a second, I'll, I'll play, play a video. This is, this is from a, um, a Christian comedian named Michael Jr. And uh, he came to the youth rally one year in, in um, uh, January, a couple years ago. Um, but, but he talks um, a lot about his why and why he does what he does. And I just wanted you to take a look at this. It's called, how do I know? And a lot of times when people hear the phrase, how do I know? The next thing they say is what? How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what. The key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what can be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what can be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that has moved me towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to the, to the channel. Uh, we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in a, 
We were in Winston-Salem. So break time, this is how it works. I travel the country, I do stand-up comedy, probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, you teach music, you know, um, can you sing? And then uh, I'm just going to show you the clip. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of, like, uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Here's the thing. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. So you can see why asking the question why is important. So reflect on that today. Reflect on that in your own life. Why do I worship? Why do I uh, feel it to be of great importance to pray throughout the week, to, to be here on Sunday mornings? Focus on that why. Because if not, and we don't think about why, as I said, we just kind of go through the motions. We remind ourselves of the importance of what God is calling us to be in Christian community. God does the initiating. God moves first always. God is at work in each and every one of your lives this morning. God's presence is with you. You know, true worship is never one-sided. It's, it's, it's us responding to God, and it's God showing us how amazing and loving God really is. Worship isn't about a, a, group, a group of worshipers just being preached at on a Sunday morning. 
Worship isn't just about entertaining God. Worship uh, isn't just even about hearing about God. But worship includes all of us participating. It includes all of us singing and praying and, and hearing a word from God, and, and it includes all of us responding to that. What does this mean for me today? What does this mean for us? You know, one of the best definitions of worship that, that I've come across says this. Worship is an expression of a relationship in which God the Father reveals himself and his love in Christ and by his Holy Spirit administers grace to which we respond in faith and gratitude and obedience. So basically what that's saying is that God is at work. And God is showing up in our lives and in our families and in our communities. And when we pay attention, when we see that, when we see how God is moving, when we, when we see God's presence in our life, our response is to respond in faith, is to respond with gratitude and thanksgiving, and to respond in obedience, to follow those teachings of Jesus. So what's your response today? To all that God has done in your own life, and to all that God is doing right now. And one way that we can respond to God's great love for us today in a worship setting is to participate in sharing the sacrament of Holy Communion at the Lord's table. It's coming together and proclaiming that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Where we receive God's grace through the bread and the cup. Where Christ is truly present with us at this table. And that all are welcome to come and receive. So I want to invite you just to take a moment to quiet your hearts and just reflect on, on your why, on your why of worship, and also take a moment to ask God for forgiveness in places where we need to be forgiven and places we need to repent. And, you know, repentance is not just turning away from something, but the roots of that word has to do with the mind. It has to do with our minds of changing the way we think, of being transformed in our mind as well. So where do we need to be transformed today? Let's just take a moment and then we'll move on and participate in communion. <laughs>